Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. I'm so excited to be kicking off uh, a brand new series called Alone. And so you've seen people running around with t-shirts on and all kinds of stuff. Uh, we are in the Alone series. And so turn to your neighbor and say Alone. That's the first time we've come out of a video like that. It was like pin drop silent in this joint. So, uh, uh, so one more time, turn to your neighbor and say Alone. And so we are going to jump straight into what we have today. How many guys have ever felt like uh, you were at your job and the uh, stack of papers on your desk was growing faster than your ability to get the work done? Anybody ever found yourself in a position where it was like, it felt like everything that was in front of you was unending? Anybody ever realize as adults that all you really do is constantly clean a kitchen you don't realize is getting dirty? So it's like, when did these dishes get here? There's only three of us in this house and none of us use them. I don't know, like there's someone living in our attic. Okay, so like, uh, and, and moreover, how many of us have ever realized or at least found ourselves thinking that I'll be able to do more once things settle down? And I don't know about you guys, but I've been saying that for a while now, and I've come to the conclusion that things are never going to settle down, at least not enough to start getting things done the way that I think I will. And here's the reality, is though those things may very, be very real in our life, what I believe is that in our Christian journey, the idea of unending work to be good enough to be saved haunts us all the time. I don't know where you may be today, but here's what I believe. I believe each and every one of us have found ourselves in a position where we've been working hard enough to be good enough to get ourselves into heaven. And the reality is that's probably not so much what that's going to look like. How many of you have found yourselves trying to act right, talk right, be right, so that you can be good enough to get to heaven one day? And so what I want to do today is help you understand that although you may be trying your hardest to tackle your sin problem, because how many know we all got a sin problem? So, okay, just so we're clear, I don't know that everyone was in agreement on that. So uh, we're going we're gonna to make sure we get that out in the open in the beginning. How many of you know none of us got it all together just yet? We all got something we're dealing with. Like oh, we would all be in horror if God played every thought in our mind on the screen in front of everyone. We'd be like, oh, didn't know that was happening today. Let me sneak out the back, right? So like the reality is none of us quite have gotten there yet. And, and here's the temptation, right, is to believe that we have a role to play in the salvation that saves us from eternal damnation in hell, but actually gives us access to God. We, have, we believe that there's more to it on our part and less to it on God's part. And we're going to show you that. Romans 3.23 says this. It says, for all have sinned. How many are you in that? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many know you're in that camp? Okay. If you don't, the person next to you will tell you. All right. Even if you're at home by yourself right now, your dog's looking at you like, yeah, dog, you got some stuff to work out. Okay. So it's all that anger problem. You know what I'm saying? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and hear me and are justified by his, say that word with me, grace as a gift 
through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, all right? And so here's what I believe many of us in our Christian faith look like. Yes, this gigantic tire on stage. And here's what I believe many of us in our Christian faith look like as we are over here laboring as hard as we can. And here's our thought process. Are you ready? As soon as I can get through this, as soon as I can get through this struggle, as soon as I can be good enough, as soon as this sin problem can be taken care of, as soon as I can deal with it, and as long as I'm working my hardest, see God, I'm working. I'm working really hard. Like I'm trying my best. I wanna be a good dad. I wanna be a good husband. I don't wanna cuss out my neighbor. I don't wanna freak out at Krispy Kreme because the light's not on. Like whatever the case may be, right? And here we are, we're working our hardest saying, look God, I'm doing everything I can to be good and as soon as I break through this I'll feel good enough that God can save me and what if the reality is you'll never be good enough that's what haunts us doesn't it and that's what keeps us working isn't it the fear that what if I won't be good enough and what if I never break through this porn problem What if this addiction that I have, it never gets completely dealt with? What if my anger, my unforgiveness never quite leave? What if if I never break through the thing I'm working so hard to get out of my life? And what if because I've never broken through it, I never feel good enough for God to come get me? And that's what I want to show you today because for some of us we can't love God because we can't see how God loves us and for far too many of us hopefully you have your notes today for far too many people being saved has been more like earning a wage rather than receiving a gift we're working and we're working and we're working But I go back to Romans 3.23. What does it say? By his grace as a gift. And for many of us, man, we're just working. We're working so hard. And and here's the reality that I want to help you understand. Uh, Like we said in the bumper before I got up today is trying to help you understand how we got here. So, So the early Christians in the first few centuries after Jesus died and resurrected. Uh, The early Christians were convinced of the true gospel, that we are saved by grace that is afforded to us through Christ. So to help you with that, Jesus died, and when he died, he came after us, and when he came after us, he gave us grace, and that grace destroyed the consequences for our sin. Turn to your neighbor and say sin. Just so we're clear, we all got something we're dealing with. And the the grace of God destroys the consequences of our sin through faith. And so therefore we have access to God now by grace, which is a gift. But as Rome took control of the church and the Roman Catholic church stepped into play, what the Pope and the leadership realized is if we can control the scripture narrative, we can get the people to do whatever we want. And so here's what the Roman Catholic Church did. As they said, we're going to make it to where you can pay indulgences to get to heaven. 
or indulgences. If you, if you give enough money, you can get to heaven. If you give enough money, your dead loved ones can get to heaven still. They made it to where if you, you have to put your faith in Jesus, yes, but you also have to do all these works too. And if you do enough of this and enough of this and enough of this and enough of this and you pay enough of this and your faith, uh, your faith is in Jesus, then you can experience eternal life in heaven. And like we said earlier in 1517, a German monk nailed 95 theses to the front door of a church after becoming so frustrated and he realized, you know what, this isn't true at all. We are saved by grace alone through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, according to the scripture alone, and it's all for the glory of God alone. And that's what we're going to spend the next five weeks talking about because you didn't go looking for grace. Grace came looking for you. And so you can clap for that. I'm good with it. Yeah, so like... So here's the beauty behind that. Are you ready? There's realizations of grace, and I want to give them to you today. Because the idea is, it's not been about how hard you can work. It's about what Jesus has done. And we want to expose to you what that looks like. So the realizations of grace alone is this idea out of the gate that we don't have to work to be saved, but God actually does the work on us. And I want to take you to Ephesians. We're going to spend almost all of our time in Ephesians 2 this morning. Uh, so Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And, I, and I'm using the living, the living Bible paraphrase because I want you to understand how uh, Paul is talking here. <clears throat> but he says this. Once you were under God's curse, you were doomed for your sins. How many guys don't have to look too far back to remember that part of your life, right? So you were doomed for your sins. You went along with the crowd and were just like all the others, full of sin and obeying Satan. All of us used to be just as they are, our lives expressing the evil within us, doing every wicked thing that our passions or our evil thoughts might lead us into. So he's saying, when you belong, when you were living in sin, when sin was owning your life, you were completely at the mercy and leading of the enemy, Satan, in your life. So whatever he did and whatever his people did, you just went right along with it. And so he shows up on the scene and then he goes to Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, and these first two words are where the money's at. Are you ready? How about you say them with me? One, two, three, but God. You were dead in your trespasses, but God. He says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive. Together with Christ, by grace, you have been saved. Now, I want to make this very real to you for a second because I want you to think about your own life for a minute. That, that when we say you were dead in your trespasses, maybe it's not real enough yet, so I want to kind of get it out in the open. But, but, but when, when I was consumed with drugs and alcohol and parties... God, but God came looking for me. When, when you were pursuing after all the things of this world and you were infatuated with, with sex or with drugs or with whatever it is that life comes at you with, you were, you were pursuing that, but God came and rescued you from the very thing you thought you wanted to give you the thing you didn't even know you needed. You were pursuing the areas of your life that you thought were amazing. You thought they were gonna make you feel whole. You thought they were gonna make you feel good. You thought they were gonna build you up. You thought they were gonna fulfill you. You thought 
thought they were going to make you happy. You thought they were going to give you what you were looking for. And as you thought they were looking to do that, and then you find out they're empty and you find out they didn't fulfill you. And they find out they didn't make you happy, but God rescued you in that moment and brought you to life in Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you today that what Paul's talking about here isn't reserved for someone 2,000 years ago. He's talking to you. That when you were looking in all the wrong places, but God came and rescued us from the areas of our life that we had completely, listen, we didn't fall into sin, we indulged in it. And I keep saying we, because I really want you to understand, this is not me pointing at you, this is me pointing at us. Because we've all got something that we needed to be saved from. But God, turn to your neighbor and say, but God. We need to put that on a t-shirt. Someone do something like that. Here's what I want you to understand. Are you ready? When it comes to being saved, you're not doing the work you're being worked on. So for those of you that are experiencing a Christian journey that looks like this, I'm doing the work, God. I'm doing the work. I'm doing the work. I'm doing the work. I'm trying. I'm doing my best. I'm doing the work. I'm doing the work. I want to invite you into the reality that you'll never do enough work to get there. If you are saved, it's because you were worked on, not because you were doing the work. Jesus came and rescued us from the life, the sin, and all the consequences that were coming towards us. And the beauty behind this is that God is doing the work. How do I know that God is giving me the grace to be saved though? And that's a question that we come back to. It's like, I, I, I've talked with people in my office. They've sat down in chairs across me and say, Brad, I don't even know if I believe that God is even coming after me to say, like, how do I know God wants me? And here's the reality. It's not just God's grace that we are saved. It's God's grace that we know we need to be saved. If your eyes have been opened to the reality that you need Jesus, God's grace has already extended that to you even still. It's not just that Jesus can save you. Jesus is coming after you to save you. It's not just that you could, you might do enough to get by. And if you could just do enough, God will, God will rescue you. No, no, no. Jesus is coming after you to save you from the life you thought you wanted more than him. And how beautiful is it that that is the story of grace in our life. But it's not us doing part of the work and Jesus finishing the rest. It's Jesus starting and finishing the work in us. And so we find ourselves in this place where we can oftentimes identify different versions of Christians. And maybe you know someone like this, or maybe you yourself fall into one of these categories. But I want to give you four different types of people, right? The first one is like the arrogant Christian puffed up on their own self-righteousness. Anybody ever met someone like that? Six of us. The rest of y'all lying. Anybody ever met Christians that knew they were better than everyone else because they could follow this, the rules in this book better than anyone else? And so we've got these, we've got arrogant Christians who, because they're good rule followers or so they think they can look down on everybody else who hadn't quite got it together just yet. Or the second thing <clears throat> is Christians 
They say they're Christians, but there's no evidence that Christ is in them. So when you talk to them, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm totally saved. And it's like, great. But then when you look at their life, there's nothing in their life that shows that the words of their mouth match the actions of their heart. And you're taking a step back going, oh, no. Now, don't get me wrong. We all struggle with things. So I'm not talking about people that struggle because we all struggle. Like, y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all follow me on social media. You saw my American Airlines situation a few weeks ago. So y'all know the struggle's still real, okay? So, so I'm not talking about those that struggle. I'm talking about those that choose to live a life that don't reflect Jesus at all. Then the third category is what I call joyless Christians. How many have ever been walking through the mall before and someone at the middle of the mall tries to sell you something? Anybody? Anybody ever done that before? Like, anybody ever? Yeah, and they try to sell you a curling iron. I'm like, hey, dog. Like, you think, I don't know what to, I can't help you with this. Like, you know, he's like, maybe a flat iron. I'm like, maybe not. So, uh, but we've all seen someone try to sell us something. Maybe you've ever been in a situation where you're trying to buy a used car and you're trying to buy this car. And and here's the reality, right? Has anyone ever tried to sell you something you knew they didn't believe in? They're like, hey, you need this. But it wasn't like, hey, this is the greatest thing in the world. They're like, hey, listen, I'm selling this thing and... I really need, I at least got to meet a quota of talking to people. So maybe you could let me do that. I don't know. Like these knives, I don't even buy them. You know what I'm saying? So like, I don't know if you want them because we've all, like we all at least know one person that had to sell knives when they were 17. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Everybody, okay, good, good. Okay. So, like, so we, we've, we've all been there and, and hear me just like that in our faith. We all know people right now who are trying to convince people they need Jesus, but the look on their face and the actions of their heart don't show they even want Jesus. You are negative, you are sour, you are bitter, you are unforgiving, you are miserable, and you're trying to convince people to live a life like you. Come meet this Jesus that changed my life. It's like, no thanks. Because if that's what Christianity is, I'll have none of that. But then there's the fourth category of people. And in the fourth category of people, it's when you meet someone, and before they even tell you they're a Christian, you've already figured it out. Because they walk with a different swagger. Like the, the way that they, the joy that comes out of them isn't artificial. It's not just that they're happy. It's that there's something at their core that makes them different than the people they're around. It's the fact that even when things around them may go bad, something in them is holding them together. When misery and pain and circumstances come around them and it's like, man, how do you keep getting through this? What is going on that you keep holding on? What, how do you keep having so much joy? And it's like, man, there's something different about the people that no matter what happens in their life, They're clinging to something that's eternal. They're clinging to something that holds them together. They're clinging to something that keeps them moving. They're clinging to something. And it's like, I want to know what you got in you because whatever you've got in you isn't the same thing as I got in me. And they say, oh, no, no, no. This is something that comes from heaven above, not from the earth around. I've, I've got something on the inside that's just a little different. And hear me, it's those people who have realized that it's not arrogant Christianity where I work really hard and God just needed to save a little bit of me. It's not false Christianity where we don't even know what it feels like to actually have Jesus save us. And it's not joyless Christianity where we're miserable because we keep working so hard. It's genuine Christianity that comes through knowing that it's only through grace and God's grace alone that I can even be standing here today. And no matter what goes on in this world around me, no matter what 
happens in my world, I know that I can stand tall because I stand next to a God that's bigger than everything that comes against me. And so, but the difference between the three is not a different Jesus, but a different approach to Jesus himself. And so that's what we want to talk about. So we cannot be confident in, in it because the reality is, or we can become confident because God came searching for us from the beginning. And so this is what I talk to with people often is they're like, I just don't know how God like feels about me. You know, I'm not sure about where I stand with him. Or I got the other side where people are like, oh, I know I'm saved. And I'm looking at him like, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying I have the power to judge you. But the Bible says that we can look at the fruit of people's lives and see whether or not they are Christ's followers. And I'm looking at them like, I just don't know about the fruit. And I love you enough to tell you that there may be some things in your life that need to change. Not so that you can be saved, but because you're telling me that you are. And the reality is this. That for those of us whose faith is in Jesus and we are saved by the grace of God alone, it's the reality that he came looking for us when we were not looking for him. And the reality is this. God's, uh, God's grace wasn't God's free gift to the world. It was his free gift to you. And I think sometimes we have a genuine misunderstanding about what this looks like. Because I don't know about you, I grew up this way, and, and as I've had conversations with people, they've kind of helped me understand that I wasn't the only one that thought this. That, that I used to think that when Jesus hung on the cross and he, he took his last breath there, he envisioned like the world the way NASA uh, uh, astronauts view it through the window. So like Jesus died for the world and so Jesus is hanging up on the cross and he's like for the whole world I'm doing I'm just I'm pay, paying for the sins of the whole world and so he he saw the world that needed to be rescued and so he saved died for the world so that he could save the world and and the reality is that robs Jesus of the personal connection that he has to the people he was saving. Cuz I don't believe that he died looking out the window of an astronaut, I believe he looked in the very mirror that you look in every morning and saw your face. I believe that Jesus went to the cross. He didn't die with a broad stroke, hoping things would work out. I believe he died with pinpoint accuracy for the very people he was coming after. Which means for those of us who have been made aware that we need grace in our life, Jesus died with your face in mind. And how beautiful is it that it, grace is not something that's broad, but it's something that's personal. Because the reality is grace wasn't the free gift to the whole world. Grace was the free gift to you. I'll go to John 3.16 to help you understand this, hopefully. For those of you, if you grew up in church, you know the scripture. It was pasted, uh, pasted over uh, your grandmother's stove. Right? Like every children's church classroom in the history of the world has had this in it somewhere. You know, like sometimes it was a little kid in the kids' classroom that wrote it under the table on the wall. But nonetheless, it's there. It says, For God so loved the world, all right, so we're with the world, that he gave his one and only son. But here's what I want you to see that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
Do I believe that Jesus died for the world? Yeah, I think the, I think the, the Bible is clear. Jesus went to the cross and he died with this love for the whole world. But he also knew that grace and grace alone was going to be afforded to, given to, distributed to, and save the individuals. It's not a blanket of grace laid on top of the world. It's the individual grace that you need for Jesus to come after you and rescue you. How beautiful is it to know the reality that Jesus has come after you to save you. And here's the beautiful part, to complete the saving in you that you always needed. So it's not just broad. It's very, very personal. It was his, it was his love for you. And so here's what I believe many of us do as Christians. All right, look at your neighbor and say, are you ready? That was, no, you're not even ready. You weren't even ready to say that. Let's try that one more time. Look at your neighbor and say, are you ready? Okay, very good. Many of us believe, here's what I believe. Here's, many of us believe that we woke up one day, looked around at our life, and was like, oh, man, I really need God to save me from this. Like, we woke up one day and was like, ooh, this probably ain't going to cut it when I stand before God. Like, we looked around one day and was like, you know, these people I'm hanging out with. We looked around one day and was like, man, this sin problem it's probably, probably not the best move for me. We looked around one day and we believed that we saw what we were living in and was like, ooh, I probably need to do something about this. And how convenient is it that there's Jesus sitting there waiting to give us grace? And we were like, I'll have that with a side of mint chocolate chip. Because we treat Jesus like someone we're ordering off the menu. Like, I think I'll, I think I'll have that. But that's not the reality at all. The reality is that for those of us who are saved, we didn't wake up one day and look around. God woke us up one day, let you look around, and he said, I'm going to get you out of this. It wasn't that you woke up looking for God. It was that God woke you up and told you, I'm rescuing you from all of this that's around you. All of this that you're in. All of this that you've decided to move in. All of this that you kept going after. All of this that you thought would fulfill you. All of this that you had for you. He said, I woke you up one day. And I said, not only am I going to take you out of all this, I'm also going to call you mine. How beautiful is it that Jesus came after us when, hear me, we were not going after him. How many of you can look back and be like, yeah, definitely wasn't looking for God when he saved me, right? Some of you got like a Paul on the road to Damascus story, in case you don't know that. Quick overview, Paul was not going, at the time Saul, was not going looking for God. He wasn't like, man, I want to go on this journey of isolation to try to find the Lord. Like I'm really dealing with some things and I feel like some time alone would help me reflect on what I need in my life. That was not how this went. He was going to kill Christians. And on the road to kill Christians, God knocked him off a horse, blinded him for three days, and then got his sight back and had his faith in Christ after that. And for some of us, we have to realize that God wasn't our idea. Grace was his idea. <laughs> and for some of us, he had to metaphorically knock us off a horse. For some of you, maybe that looks like prisoners. I don't know. Whatever it is for you. Like, you know, like he knocked you off that horse and you were like, ooh. But he rescued 
us. The reality is he came after us. Romans 5.15 says this. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if many die by the trespass of one man, so to catch you up on what we're talking about right there, this is talking about Adam. He's about the gift of grace is not like the trespass. It's not like the original sin is what he's saying. So the gift of grace is not like the original sin. He said, for if many died spiritually because Adam sinned by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? In other words, he's saying, how beautiful is it that although one man screwed it all up, come on, that through one man all things were restored. That Jesus brought grace to you. And here's the reality. I love this quote by Cody Carnes uh, from the song Run to the Father. He says, my heart has been in your sight long before my first breath. Running into your arms is like running to life from death. And how amazing it must be to know that Jesus came after you and extended grace to you. He came, and hear me, you are saved by grace and grace alone. Say alone. You are saved by grace and grace alone. It was never your work and it was never your idea. It was never how hard you could go after God. It was never how good you can be. It was strictly the grace of God. And hear me, if that reality sets in for you, how different will you live your life? Knowing that God's grace came after you. And so here's the reality for many of us. The reality is that for many of us, we have found ourselves back to the tire. And maybe even after we got saved, we forgot that it wasn't our works. It was grace alone. And so we come back to the tire. And even after we get grace, we're back and we're working as hard as we can. And we're like, God, just, you know, if you, I'm working hard over here. So if you could just make up the difference for me, that'd be great. So like, I'm working hard. I know you're working on my behalf. So, so as I'm working, if you could work. And so we'll work together and I'll be saved because we're working together. And God's saying, I never needed you. I never even thought your works were worth anything. He said, but if I say, you. I saved you because I wanted you. I didn't save you because you worked hard. I didn't come after you because you were amazing. I came after you because I wanted you. I never came after you because I thought that you were going to be able to break through your sin problem. I came after you because I'm the only one that can break through your sin problem. I didn't come after you looking for you to be worthy, looking for you to be good enough. I didn't come after you looking for you to get it all together. I didn't come after you looking for you because I thought that you might be worthy. He said, I came after you not because you can break through the problem. I came after you because you'll never get through the problem. But my grace, my grace that I've extended to you, my grace will save you. My grace will hold you. My grace will carry you. And my grace will last long after your works, long after your efforts, long after your attempts, long after your arrogance, long after your self-righteousness. When all things crumble, my grace will still stand. It's never been about how hard you can work. It's always been about God working on your behalf. That when Jesus went to the cross, he paid the price you could never pay with your hand. Your works have never been good enough. The beauty is they've never had to be. And for so many of us, man, we're trying so hard because we felt like grace was more like earning a wage than receiving a gift. 
And the reality is it's never been about earning a wage, never about being good enough. And the reality that we have to come to grips with, some of my friends are gonna help me, is it's never been about getting good enough here. Go ahead and bring it out, guys. It's never been about being good enough here. It's been about being saved from here. It was not that you were working real hard and God came and saw your hard work and said, yeah, you're doing pretty good. Let me get you the rest of the way. It's that when it comes to the spirit, you were here and God brought you back to life. And I want you to understand something. God's grace hasn't called you to work harder here. And I really, my prayer, my hope is that some of you, I know this is a serious message, but my prayer is that some of you will grab a hold of this because I believe that there's a free life in Jesus Christ available to some of you that will realize that you don't have to keep killing yourself trying to get good enough for God. It's never been about being good enough. It's never been about your hard work. It's never been measured by your capabilities. It's never been about your own righteousness. It's never been about you being a good person. It's only ever been about the magnificent, beautiful, priceless gift of grace given to us in Christ Jesus. That it's never mattered about how hard you went over here. It's never been about you working hard here. It's been about God bringing you out of here. Ephesians 2 Verse one, I originally read it to you in the Living Bible, but I wanna read it to you in the ESV for a second, because that's where it gets real. And you were, say that word with me, dead in your trespasses. That don't sound like hitting a tire, does it? That sounds like you were in a box. And you were dead and I was. When God came after me, he didn't find me working hard found me here and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of the world let's go back to verses 4 and 5 what are those two words again but God but God but God being rich in mercy while you were still trying, God was rich in not giving you what you deserved. Rich in mercy because of the great love. I really want this to sink in for you. Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were here, even when we were dead. What does it say? He made us alive together with Christ 
And it's only by grace that you have been saved. When we jump down to verses eight through 10, it says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And just to drive all of this home for you, are you ready? And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of what? Works. So that anyone could boast. Because here's the reality, are you ready? I'm just wanna, for just a second, expose to you how wicked we really are in our hearts. Can I do that for a second? Some of you are like, not really, I would rather, no? Okay, so. Because if we could get good enough here, we would become self-righteous about how good we are. And we would need Jesus all over again to rescue us, not from our inability to work, but how we feel about ourselves because we did work. Our need for Jesus is so great that even if we were perfect, we would need forgiveness about our perfection. It's a free gift and it's through grace alone. Next week, we're gonna dive into faith alone because we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone. Because you're saying, Brad, are you telling me that my works don't matter? No, 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 they matter. You tell me that salvation has nothing to do with me? No, it has something to do with you, but not the way you think it does. And we wanna show you that it's by grace alone. And next week we're gonna talk about faith alone. And as I wrap up today and get ready to end, I just wanna ask you a question. How exhausted are you? Now I'm talking spiritually for a second. So put the fact that you work 80 hours a week out of your brain. Spiritually, when it comes to your relationship with God, how exhausted are you? How tired are you of feeling like you're not good enough? Of feeling like it doesn't matter how hard or how long you hit the tire, you just can't quite get there. That no matter how many things that you put in the way of your sin so that you can try to stop it, you can't seem to beat it. And no matter how much you wanna love God, you feel like there's a wall in the way. And so you know the words to say around your Christian friends but is there a real element of exhaustion in your Christian faith? Is there a reality that Christianity has for you never felt like a gift? If you were being honest, it kind of feels like a curse because at least when I was in the world, I didn't have to pretend. But now that I'm saved, I feel like I gotta put on this mask. I feel like I gotta talk about a God I don't really know. I feel like I gotta worship a Jesus that I don't really understand. About a price that he paid for me when I don't really know if he needed to because I don't feel like I'm a bad person. And so for many of you, your Christian journey 
has not felt like a joyride to eternity. It's felt like a burden. And my goal for you today is that you would understand the genuine, beautiful reality that it was, it was never and it will never be about how hard you can work. It will always be and has forever been about what Jesus did for you. My heart has been in his sight long before my first breath and running into his arms. Man, that's like running to life from death. Jesus has rescued you for those of you whose faith is in Jesus. For those that believe that he died on the cross for you and he's come after you. Stop exhausting your energy to be good enough and lean on the one who paid it all. Because it's by grace that you are saved. Believe it, trust it, and lean on it. Because here's the reality. You cannot save yourself from yourself. You needed a better savior. And though it's a free gift to you, it was a costly gift for him because he gave his life. Trust him. Because Jesus went to, from life to death so that he could take you from death to life. Let's pray today. Jesus, we thank you that it is by your beautiful grace alone that we are saved. And so God, I just pray that Jesus, you would encourage our hearts today to know that it's by grace alone that we are saved. It's never been about our works. So God, for those who have been trying to work hard, I pray that you show them they don't have to work hard to be saved. You've already done the work. Help us know and see that your grace has saved us. Help us rest in that reality. If you're here today and what maybe you have been telling people you've been saved for 10 or 20 years, maybe you genuinely believe you have been saved for 10 or 20 years, but now that you're looking and being honest with yourself, you're going, you know, I don't know that I ever I believed in Jesus, but I don't know that I ever was saved. I, I believed in Jesus, but then I just started working real hard. But today you need to once and for all put your faith in the grace that is bringing you from death to life. And if that's you today, I wanna to invite you to pray this prayer with me. 
and once and for all, believe on the beautiful grace of Jesus Christ to save you. And if you will repeat this after me, the whole church is gonna pray with you so you're not praying by yourself. Let's pray, church. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins, but also forgive me for working so hard to do what I needed you to do. I believe in you. I believe you died for me so that I could have life. So I give you my life. I trust in your grace alone to save me. I give you everything, my whole life. You can have it all. I love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's give it up for all those that pray that today. May we celebrate with you.